Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, September 27th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's financial show, we're taking a look at financial services company Remitly, a recent IPO. And joining me this week, it's Certified Financial Planner, Mr. Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going? Good. This one was fun to dive into because it's a very recent IPO. It just went public, I believe, on Friday. It is a very recent IPO. And I agree with you. It was fun to dig into. And I, I when I saw that they were going to go public, I'd been looking more into Remitly over the past several weeks, just because it caught my eye for one reason in particular, and I'm sure longtime listeners will uh, will remember my affinity with a little company called Zoom, not the video conferencing Zoom, but X-O-O-M, the, the remittance company Zoom that was acquired by PayPal uh, before it had a chance to really do its thing. Um, this, to me, remittly looks like Zoom 2.0 almost. So let's just dig right in here uh, to, to see, first and foremost, what actually does remittly do, Matt? So the company's mission is to make it easier for especially immigrants to send money back to their home countries. Um, they want to the the general idea is that the process of sending money internationally is c- very complex, even for people of with with means. It's kind of complex. It's inconvenient and it can be expensive, um, especially if you're in a household that doesn't have a bank account, if you're in a household that doesn't have access to traditional financial services, if you don't have the ability to just drive to a a Western Union whenever you want to. It can be a very clunky process, and this is a—it's a big market and a lot of demand um, to send money home. We'll get to that in a little bit, but it's a big market that was really not being addressed well. Yeah, and it, I mean, I think that is—that is one of the reasons why. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why PayPal acquired Zoom so quickly is because they recognized it was this big market that really wasn't being served very well. Uh, the the old the old ways of doing things like using Western Union, you've got to get in your car, you've got to go to a store, either either a Western Union store or, or you know a, a store where Western Union uh, is. You got to write a check or use cash. You got to fill out all these forms. You got to pay a lot of money. It's not instant funding. It takes a while. It's a clunky process, and certainly Zoom. Back in the day, set out to to make that system better, and along the along that timeline, there Remitly was founded with that same basic idea. And again, I think it's very easy for folks here, just domestically in the United States, to not think about that. But the fact of the matter is, this remittance industry is responsible for about 1.5 trillion dollars in activity on an annual basis. I mean, there's there's money going outside from the United States to home countries all over the place every day. And, and like you said, it's for very important reasons. Yeah. And I mean, it, there's a, it lets people send money a few different ways, too. You mentioned Western Union, which is pretty much you send it to a location, someone picks it up in cash. Um, that's definitely part of it. I, I looked in just in Mexico alone, there are 40,000 locations uh, can, customers could pick up cash through Remitly. So it's a pretty big network. But in addition to that, they also facilitate bank deposits, mobile money transfers through their apps, so someone could just get money on on their mobile device, and home delivery in a lot of cases. 
in many markets, they actually facilitate home delivery. Someone will show up and and put cash in your hand if someone sends it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's really just like a, a much improved process. And the fees really aren't that bad. Yeah, that's that's got to be a nice uh, knock at the door. I, I feel like uh, you better give them a heads up because typically when people knock at my door, unless I know who it is, much like the phone, I, I run and hide and choose not to answer. <laughs> so oftentimes, it's 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 not uh, it's it's not solicited, so to speak. But um, yeah, I think uh, you, let's talk about the market opportunity here because I, I don't want to mislead uh, folks when they think about wow, one point five trillion dollars—that is just a lot of money—and we need to be pursuing uh, that market opportunity. That's not really remittances market opportunity. That's the volume of money that's flowing in in outbound remittances. But what is what 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 do you see as the actual market opportunity for for remittly? Well, so. Whenever you're looking at a company like this, what they quantify their market opportunity and what it actually is are, are usually two different things. But having said that, so you mentioned the $1.5 trillion figure, and that is an accurate figure when it comes to just the remittance market. They estimate their core market to be about, about a third of that. Uh, they've said $540 billion um, of remittances sent to developing countries. Now, how much? How do they make money off that? I mentioned they take a fee. It's, it's lower than most other methods, but this isn't a charity. They're, they're taking a fee off of this. Um, and it varies by country, and it varies depending on how you, fast you want the money sent. Kind of like, you know how, um, I think it's, is it Venmo that charges for instant transfers, but not for uninstant transfers? Yeah, well, I think also Square did the same thing, at least for a time. They may still. Right. So they do a similar model to that. They have two speeds. They have express transfers, which are done in minutes, which internationally is very quick. Um, and what they call economy transfers, which take three to five business days. Now, just to give you an example, um, I just pulled up a few random markets in Brazil. If you're trying to send money to Brazil, an express transfer would be $5.99. An economy transfer would be $1.99. Uh, Jamaica, uh, when I lived in Florida, a lot of my, my friends were from Jamaica, so I looked that up. Uh, $4.99 versus $3.49, so a pretty narrow gap, actually, to, to send express. Um, so a lot of... Great market opportunity. They, it's definitely a fee-generating business, and that doesn't really include any, you know, adjacent products they develop over time, which they're they're doing. That's definitely part of the growth plan. They say um, the current remittance market generates about forty billion dollars of transaction fees globally. That's based on these higher fee methods. So even if they got a hundred percent of the market, it wouldn't be forty billion dollars. They charge lower fees than everyone else. Um, so they gen- they generated $258 million in fee revenue last year and say that they have about 3% of their core market. So do some little, do some reverse engineering with that. Um, and you're looking at, give or take, about a $10 billion revenue opportunity in their core market. And that's without any adjacent businesses that they end up developing along the way. So big market opportunity not quite as big as that $1.5 trillion figure makes it sound, <laughs> but the total market size never really is accurate of something what a company can actually achieve. But having said that, they could easily get their fee revenue in the billions in the next few years. Yeah, it really does feel like it to me. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that because I do always take those internal um, estimates with a grain of salt. I tend to discount them just for uh, just, 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 just for peace of mind, really, more than anything. I always feel like they're trying, really, to, to, to paint the, the prettiest picture, obviously. Um, 
regardless, even just a little bit of that big market could be very meaningful. Now, I you know I, I think this is a fascinating line of work in having. Having studied Zoom, I mean, Zoom, it was it was a recommendation we made in Million Dollar Portfolio back in the day. It was a stock that I own personally. Uh, it, it was one we had we had a lot of aspirations for. So having researched that business, I feel like I understood really what could make that a good investment. And, and I feel like a lot of those factors are still in play for a company like Remitly. I mean, it, it feels like it doesn't boil down to just one thing, though, right? It's not, it's not like lowest fee wins, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's not just lowest fee wins. It's who serves the customer best. Um, I saw, um, I, I, I see a comment about uh, sending through blockchain and Bitcoin and stuff like that, which is great if that if that's a, a if it's serving you well. You know, not everyone has a Bitcoin wallet. They can immediately send money back home, especially um, to developing countries. So it's a matter of serving customers better. And that's really what Remitly aims to do. It's not just that they're trying to undercut the competition on price, because there are other companies. You mentioned Zoom. There are companies that you know aim to disrupt the traditional fee model. So it's not just cutting price. It's really offering the best services. Like for example, Remitly tries to make it easier to um, to upload and document identification for for immigrants, which is a, a big pain point in the traditional process. So it's things like that that serve the customer better that really you need to pay attention to. Yeah, and and from the from the business's perspective, I mean, I, one one thing that always stood out to, to me in regard to Zoom was they had built, uh, you know, this was a business that was built basically from from mobile technology, right? I mean, this is a very mobile uh mobile oriented space remitly no exception great mobile presence there it, it it's i mean obviously we all do of our uh, we all do our banking online now and so you know the convenience that's there and i think adding that convenience uh is 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 crucial but also it provides these businesses with a lot of data and so what they do with that data i think is is really important right it helps them build their risk management models and that was something that really stood out to me for zoom back in the day i wonder if you see the same signs with a business like remitly because ultimately you know when you're sending money overseas right there's a risk involved with that you've got foreign currency risk you've got you've got loss uh loss risks and those are always just going to be part and parcel of the business but really utilizing that data in order to make the best decisions, right? That helps them fund those those receivers almost immediately when when they can. Uh, what what do you think about what what do you think about Remitly's perspective there in regard to risk management? Do you feel like that's a competitive advantage with a business like this, or, or is that something they're still working on? Well, sure. Think of some of the biggest fintech disruptors we talk about on this show. We talk about Lemonade all the time. We talk about Upstart very often. What do those have in common? They have a lot of data that they use to their advantage. I mean, Lemonade tries to use it to predict insurance pricing. Uh, Upstart uses it to predict consumer credit behavior better than traditional models. So same thing here with Remitly. The more data they get, the better they can predict, like you said, exchange risk, things like that. And it does give them a better competitive advantage over the legacy players that aren't either aren't doing that or started doing that much later because... I mean, Remitly went public last Friday, so it might sound like a very new company, or maybe last Thursday. So it might sound like a very, very new business, but it's really not. This was founded in, um, you know, uh, let me see, 10 years ago. Yeah, I think it's 10 years old. Yeah, 10 years ago. So it's been around for some time. And at the time it was founded, the other players were not, you know, doing this data mining type 
uh, approach to it. It was really just kind of a straightforward foreign exchange type business. Um, so you know, Remitly does a bet much. It's a much better, a much uh, of a competitive advantage to have that like that the- level of data. It feels like there's some switching costs involved here too, and, and and what I mean by that is if you are uh, someone here in the United States and you rely on on sending money to relatives overseas on an ongoing basis, that's usually a pretty consistent behavior, right? It's typically something that's done on the regular, so you you get used to kind of like we're used to with our banking accounts. I mean, you get used to using one service, and unless another service really is going to outshine it. Chances are you're probably not going to switch. Um, I mean, unless really the reason presents itself. So it's it's it's. I look at that from two different perspectives. It's probably a little bit. It could be a little difficult for Remitly to gain customers of uh, who who have already been using a service for a long time. But by the same token, it's also. It, it, there's a lot of incentive to get those customers in and really treat them well because that is such a sticky service over time. Yeah, it, it's not hard to disrupt people who are tired of driving to Western Union. It is, however, you know, it's tough to disrupt some a business that has an app that people are used to. There's a reason I just downloaded Google Chrome about three weeks ago. <laughs> it's because I got so used to Firefox in college and have been using it ever since, and I didn't want to switch. Chrome is a better browser. I can tell you that hands down. Chrome is a better browser, but I didn't want to switch because I was used to it. The same thing applies to a business like this. If they do a, a great job, it's going to take someone really, really overshooting them to steal their, their customers. And they're doing a great job of disrupting the traditional businesses like Western Union. Uh, for example, they'll give people a preferential exchange rate on their first uh, transfer. I don't know of anyone who's doing that. They're, they're like taking a loss on the currency exchange to, to land a customer. Got to get them in the door. That's that's genius. You know, waive the fee, and, and they waive fees for some high high dollar transfers. Uh, if you're sending money to Mexico, for example, it's three ninety nine. If you're sending under five hundred dollars, no fee. If it's over five hundred dollars, you know, encourages those high volume uh, transfers. They're offering preferential exchange rates, like I said, and significantly, like one or two percent more money, essentially. Yeah, yeah. which can be a lot if you're sending a good amount, good amount of money. No question. So, doing a good job of competing. Well, and I think too much as uh, Zoom, you know, PayPal saw Zoom early on, acquired it. Remitly has a relationship with another big network out there that you've probably heard of, a little company called Visa. Matt, um, Visa has actually invested cold hard cash into Remitly. I mean, Visa has has invested money into Remitly's business, and Remitly has a direct relationship with Visa. I mean, that to me. That's a surefire sign of a company doing something right. When you have a, a company like Visa, which obviously uh, is looking to evolve and, and, and remain a, a key part of, of the way money moves around the world, uh, I mean, you're getting buy-in from Visa. I mean, I think that's that's a good sign. It, it also makes me wonder, I mean, if the end game here really isn't that it, at some point remotely becomes a, a part of a bigger family. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> I think the big obstacle to that is valuation right now. Um, they're almost a $7 billion market cap business right now. Um, to, to acquire them realistically, you'd have to spend about $10 billion. Um, but it could happen. I could definitely see them being kind of a takeover play at some point. 
But I, yeah, I mean, I could, and, and I think you're right. Valuation is probably a sticking point at, uh, right now. And I would imagine you've got two co-founders leading the way here. Uh, in, in um, they own about six percent of the company. I'm sure they would probably like an opportunity to let this thing run for a little bit and see what they can do. For sure, I I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I, I I think they want to grow right right now. They're just growing so fast, and I think they kind of want to see where it's going. They're all like on the cusp of profitability too. They grew ni- almost almost 100%, 92% year-over-year revenue growth in the first half of 2021. Um, I mentioned there are over $250 million of of annual revenue. They were in 2020. There'll be much more than that this year. And they their net loss was something like $9 million last year. Not a ton. Yeah. You know, for a $7 billion company, losing $9 million is, is pretty much on the cusp of profitability. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think... I wouldn't. I would not be surprised for them to have a profitable 2021. To be honest with you. Yeah, I did. That's one thing that's attractive to me is the losses are far more modest than these other uh, than these other tech high flyers. I mean, even though the valuation is still up there, I mean, what do you see? It's somewhere 20, 22 times sales, I guess. Uh, it, that that doesn't seem. I don't know. It doesn't seem as crazy as some of these other lofty multiples. Where I mean, th- this just seems like a bit more of a reliable uh, business, I guess is really what I'm getting at. But in regard to risks or red flags, I mean, I think valuation is always going to be one of the bigger risks with a business like this that's still kind of gaining traction and and starting to to really inch their way towards profitability. But you know, you mentioned something a little bit earlier that I wanted to to ask you about because it feels to me like. Uh, and, and, and you know where we stand on, or you know where I stand on crypto. I'm I'm ultimately just apathetic. I just don't care, right? So whatever. But it it does feel like this is something that most crypto bulls would argue uh, is supposed to disrupt, right? I mean, this is something that digital currency, that cryptocurrency, is supposed to ultimately disrupt. Being able to send money at the drop of a hat from point A to point B, regardless of where it is on the face of the of the planet. Uh, instantly, and and either for nothing or for next to nothing. I, I I'm I'm a little bit skeptical there, just because I, I just I don't think crypto is really necessarily for the masses, at least at this point. I mean, I don't think most people get it still. Uh, and, and so I, I I don't know. I, it feels to me like while someone might point that out, I don't I think that's probably a bit of a I don't think that's as big of a risk as many many might think. No, I I could see remitly and 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 peers incorporating blockchain. Into right. the business, yeah, I could see them using blockchain technology to send money faster and and more efficiently. I'd actually be surprised if they didn't have some sort of blockchain operation going on behind the scenes right now, anyway. Um, but as far as cryptocurrency, that doesn't—that's not as much of a thing for people who need to send money back to developing countries. I mean, you you might think it is, but it's really not. Um, no, no one who's trying to send money back to to Mexico or to to other Latin American nations is going to go convert that money to Bitcoin <laughs> or whatever cryptocurrency, which isn't free, by the way. It's not free to send money with Bitcoin. Yeah, I know. I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> um, or whatever cryptocurrency you're talking about and then send it through an app or whatever. And then the person who gets it has to convert it back to their local currency because they're sending money to Mexico and El Salvador or wherever. So people could pay bills and and pay living expenses. They don't want that extra step of having to convert it back to to, to fiat currency. And I mean, 
over a third of the cust- the customers of Remitly don't have bank accounts or are very or are underbanked. So it's not like they could hit a button in a crypto app and send money to a bank account. It has to be kind of an all-in-one solution, which is why I don't I really don't see the cryptocurrency thing being a big disruptor to this business. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, perhaps somewhere in the distant future, if if it becomes uh, a bit more mainstream, then you know we'll we'll see. But but yeah, I mean you're right. This 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 is money that is being sent for living expenses. I mean I remember when we lived in uh, Cairo, Egypt, uh, years ago, and we were there for three years. We had a a housekeeper slash nanny that worked for us, and she was Filipino. And she would send money back to her family in the Philippines every couple of weeks, right? And that was something that they were relying on her for. Now, this was 2000, I don't know, 2002, 3, 4. Uh, so really before any of this, uh, you know, came, came, to, came to light. But I mean, I, I vividly remember her having to go to the Western Union shop there in Cairo to go knock that out. And uh, it, was, it was always a hassle, but it was always crucial, right? It was something that, that her family back home was relying on. And that, that really just doesn't change. And so that's why I think this uh, is, is such an attractive market. And that's why I think Remitly presents such a, a compelling uh, story. I mean, it's, it's a company I'm certainly very interested in. I think I'll, I'll kind of hang on the sidelines for now, having uh, some familiarity with this market, with this industry, and sort of the valuation. Um, I, I don't think this is a buy-at-any-price business, but I do think it's an interesting business for sure that uh, I'll keep on the radar. I don't know. What uh, what are your feelings? Yeah, I, I'm not completely sold on it right now. I'd want to see a couple more quarters of, of ma- maintaining this growth, especially now that they're public and have a little more cash in the bank. I'd like to see if they can use that to kind of Keep innovating, bringing out new products and things like that. But it's definitely one that's on my radar. I, I, I like it. Well, we'll leave it there, Matt. I appreciate you taking the time to dig into Remitly and uh, talk shop with me today. Of course. Always good to be here. And that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus or drop us an email at IndustryFocus at Fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.